All right. The Lindstroms are seated. Everybody take lead. They led by example. So, uh. hey, welcome. Looking around the room, saying hi to everybody, making sure. Uh, well, hey, we're going to need our Bibles this morning, so if you need a Bible, uh, please raise your hand. We'll be glad to get you one. If you don't have one, um, please take one of these home. That'll get you by for a little while until you want to get um, your own fancy-like Bible, if you want. So, Hey, take a moment here uh, before we really jump in, and um, I want to get us to the place where we're always recognizing um, the Lord working in our lives, and we recognize Him, see Him, experience Him. Um, and so I want you to think back here and think about your most current God moment. When's the last time you, like, you really experienced God in your life? You know, maybe some of us it was this morning, it was today, just, just a little while ago during worship. Uh, maybe it was like for Toby, you saw he got pretty emotional about the baptisms that were last week. Whatever it might be, it might be something that happened a long time ago. Um, my prayer is that as we think about it, that it hasn't been just a long time ago, that, but we're experiencing him on a daily basis, that he's with us and that we know that he's with us. So can you take a moment? Close your eyes with me. Now, what is your most current God moment? Maybe it's even right now because we're taking the time to be still. The Bible says to be still and know that he is God. Lord, this morning has become, we thank you that you are here with us. I pray that you would show us yourself even more. We started off by saying, God, there's no place I would rather be than to be right here. And so that is our prayer today. God, that you reveal to us even more. That we experience you even more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you thought, who thought of a God moment, the most current God moment? A few of you? Okay. Raise your hand really high. Be excited about it. Okay. Oh, Heather was the half hand over there. Um, Claire has that kind of the half hand, kind of the sideways half hand. Okay. Um, so, see those hands. Set with them at lunchtime today because we're going old school right after church. We're doing potluck today. Um, I love potlucks. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. If it's good, you got lucky, right? Whatever's in that pot. Um, I've told people, well, we can't call them potluck because we as believers don't believe in luck. That's not, I don't know. We're having lunch together right after church. It's not too late for you to say yes and join us. We have plenty of food. If you want to participate, Uber Eats. Order 10 cheeseburgers from McDonald's and we'll cut them in half and throw them on a plate. Um, we've done that before. Ask a few of the former youth students in this room. Yes, we've done that. We've done the jack-in-the-box tacos. We buy 20 of them, put them on a plate. Okay. That didn't sound very appetizing to some of you, did it? Nobody jack-in-the-box tacos? Yes. Okay. I saw some sad faces out there. I apologize for even bringing it up. Okay. Who would, like, never, I would never eat a taco at Jack in the Box. Raise your hand really quick. Okay, a few of you. Okay, well, we'll pray for you too um, <laughs> this morning. 
Yeah, it's an acquired taste, I would say. Right, Mitch? Wouldn't you say acquired taste? Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We are distracted people. Maybe it's just me. Hey, open your Bibles to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. We're actually going to be looking at verses 5 through 9, but again, I want to read it in context of the whole kind of the thought and bring us up to the current thought that we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to be starting in, in verse number 3. I don't think we can hear enough that God has provided everything that we need. I mean, I think we, we know that. We capture that. We remember it once in a while. But we have to really just have that as a foundational truth, that God, our Father in heaven, provides everything that we need. You notice it doesn't say that he provides everything that we want, but he provides everything that we need. So let's read in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us in his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promise, promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from, their past sins. God has given us everything we need to live this life for him. The thing is, we try to usually do that on our own. God, I don't really need you now. I can do it. Let me just do it. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. We do that a lot as, as believers, even as believers. God, I know you've saved me. You've rescued me. I've got it from here. How, how well do we do with that? Not very well. Not very well. God has given us everything we need to live this life for him. And really, when it comes down to when life is, when we're at our end, what do we possess? That's the name of the passage today. The message today is, what is, what is it that we possess? And what Peter is trying to drill home over and over and over in this passage is the most precious thing that we possess, this side of heaven, is him. And it's our faith in him. That's what we possess, our faith in him. Not in our faith in mankind or science or financial stability or any of those things, but it's our faith in in him. And what's interesting about Peter, and as you study his life and you look at his life, Peter is a doer. I can totally relate to him because I'm a doer. I'd rather be a doer than a sitter. I'd rather be doing something. I'd rather be going after something. I'd rather be active than just kind of waiting. It's kind of the Mary and Martha thing. What, what did Jesus say, though? It's better to sit at his feet and to learn from him. Peter's a doer, so he actually goes on to give us this list that you heard me read about. Hmm. Because of our faith in him, 
Peter says, I want you to make every effort to add to this faith. And let me read that list to you again. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection. What is mutual affection? We'll talk about that. And mutual affection, love. So Peter gives us this amazing list, and here's the deal about us as, as humans. And maybe I'm just talking about myself. Most of the time, I am just talking about myself. Because God is always speaking to me about when, when I'm in his word, and he's like, man, there's some things that you really need to take care of. So when I see a list like this, goodness, self-control, mutual affection, love, um, and all this stuff, I usually would just jump to that list. Okay, I can do that list. I can check those boxes. I, I got this. And what happens is I leave my relationship behind with him, and I just do it. I can be good. I can have self-control, maybe. Hardly. You know, I can, have all, I can do all these things. We forget about, oh, I need to have him in my life. I need to, remember, I have to have a foundation of faith. I'm adding these things to, I'm not just adding these things to my life, I'm adding these to my faith in him. That's what Peter says. Make every effort to add to your faith these things. So what are these words and what do some of these words mean in the original? Well, goodness, if we're to add to our faith goodness, it means virtue, character. Man, I wrote so small in my notes, I hand wrote, I can't even read it myself. I'm going to have to borrow someone's glasses. Add to ourself, to our faith, goodness. Add to our faith, knowledge. The word knowledge there is doctrine, which is a, a Bible thing. We, we need to know who he is. And how do we know him more? Through his word and spending time with him. Okay? So we need to add to our faith. That means as believers, we need to be in his book. So goodness, knowledge, self-control. So I looked up self-control in the original language, and yeah, that's what it means, self-control. You know, you're kind of hoping it means something else, right? You're kind of hoping it means um, just do whatever you want. Just you be you. But no, it means self-control. That means there's going to be areas in my life where I, put, I need to put... Um, boundaries in. I need to have like reins on. I need to hold it back. Because if, I, if it's in just myself and I'm, I'm just trying to do the list, I'm going to do however I want to do it and what I want to do, right? But it's right there. Goodness, knowledge, self-control. And for, to self-control, perseverance. And perseverance is an interesting word. It means to, be, to endure, to be stead, steadfast, to be consistent. Hmm. And to perseverance, godliness. And what does godliness mean? What, is, what are we supposed to do there? It means piety. It means devotion. It means dedication to him. You know, the Bible says that, that as believers in Christ, that he's making us more and more like Jesus. That sounds really good. I like, I like the concept of that. I don't necessarily like the process of that, because what did Jesus have to do? What did he walk through? 
Yeah, he walked through difficult things, and he was perfect. But God says, as believers, we are being made like him. And so the word godliness here means, yes, devotion, piety, reverence. Genuine kindness is, you know, it uses the word here in the NIV, mutual affection, which is, what does that mean? Yes, it's brotherly love. Do I have a hand being raised in the room here? Ephes, is that you raising your hand? Are you praising the Lord over there, or do you have something to say? Okay, all the above. Good answer. Brotherly kindness, yes. It's a, as believers in Christ, we should be nice. We should be nice to one another. Sounds pretty basic to me, but you know what? I think uh, it's a lot harder than, (laughs) we're not always nice. I'll just say right from the gate, if I've been not nice to you, I won't say what word or whatever, I apologize. I don't want to be not nice. I want to be nice. I want to have mutual affection towards you. Because we are family. The Bible says, what was that word again? Brotherly what? Brotherly kindness. We are family. There's something about us being together. And so when we're together, what should we do? We should be nice. Is church always nice? (laughs) Oh, that was quick. (laughs) Judy, that was a quick no. Okay. Yes, I do know why, but I want to hear why you know why. Mm. And that's not There's a thing that's going on in each side of in inside of us. I'll jump ahead here before we jump back into the last one. I mean, Peter says to add to our faith this list of things. There's this struggle that goes inside of us because the Bible says that we're new creations in Christ. The old is gone and, he, and we're made brand new. But then Paul describes this inner working, this inner struggle. That's why we're going to have a spiritual warfare class on November 19th, right here at 9 o'clock, that Judy's going to lead. Because there's this inner struggle that we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle in our world, but there's also a battle that goes on inside of us because the old nature in us will struggle against this new nature. They will war against one another inside. And so, I mean, for years I would just say the one that you feed the most wins. And what I mean by that is if you're feeding your old nature, the things that you used to do, the habits you used to get caught up into, the, the things that you used to watch, see, um, intake, um, if you're continuing to feed those, you are giving power to your old nature. But you are no longer controlled by your old nature because you are brand new in Jesus, the Bible says. In fact, Paul, if we back up one chapter in in Romans chapter 6, he says we're actually dead to that stuff. But it's like we ourselves do CPR on those dead things, thinking they're going to bring us life. And it doesn't bring us life. In fact, it makes us more miserable when we jump into those things anyway. So what are we supposed to feed? We're supposed to feed our new nature in Christ. 
That means we need to gather together. We need to be, when I said we're kind of going old school today, we are going old school. We're doing New Testament church today. Because what did they do, dedicate themselves to? They dedicated themselves to gathering together, learning together, praying together, and eating together. So that's why we're going old school. We're going to have a potluck today. We're going to do that today. We need to gather together, feed the new nature. That means when we're hanging around as, as believers in Christ and we're hanging around one another, it encourages us like, wow, yeah, this is good. This is the way I'm supposed to be living my life. Instead of feeding myself and intaking all kinds of other stuff, I should be spending time in the Word. I spend a lot of time um, in worship personally. That's how I connect uh, with God, through music. In fact, I want to play a song here in a little bit. Not quite yet, but in a little bit. Because that's how God speaks to some of us. So being together with Him is really, really important to feed that new nature Genuine kindness, yes, we should be kind to one another. We should be kind not just inside these, these walls, but we should be kind outside these walls. How, how are we seen, how are we known in our community? That's a good question to ask. Sometimes that's a hard question to ask. Am I the grouchy one in my community? <laughs> I can be. I try not to be. No, I'm, I'm told I'm not. Okay, good. That's good. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, genuine kindness, and love. We're supposed to love. This is a Jesus list. If, you're, if you think about this list, this is a Jesus list. Jesus did this when he lived, lived this life. He was good, obviously. He had a knowledge of who his God was. Jesus definitely had self-control. He persevered. He endured. He was steadfast. He was consistent. He had a devotion toward, to his Father in heaven. And one of the things I thought, think that is, was so attractive to people about Jesus is he did have genuine kindness. He didn't look at people um, and judge them. Well, he judged the Pharisees, which is interesting. I remember when I first came to this church, 1993. Not dating anybody in this room, Pam Olson. Um, and I remember um, having a conversation with Pastor Alex. Um, he was my brand new pastor at the time. And I remember making the comment about, well, Jesus judged people, and he really challenged me and said, um, the only people that Jesus judged was the Pharisees, the church, the leaders of the church at the time. He didn't judge the community. He loved them. He showed genuine kindness to them, and I was like mind blown. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Inside the church, yeah, we're supposed to hold one another accountable, lift one another up, spur. The Bible says spur one another on. I'm glad you're not wearing spurs today. Some of you cowboys know what that means. That is not necessarily a pleasant thought, that we're supposed to spur one another on to do the right thing. 
But that's what we're supposed to do as a church. Again, the problem with lists is we usually will look at them and we'll like, oh, I can do that list. I can check that box off. A lot of times we'll look at these lists like, well, if I do this list, then people will like me. If I do this list, it'll improve my relationships. If I do this list, God will love me more or even just start to love me. But here's the thing about that. I was reading this week. Um, a few of us are going through this book called uh, Replenish. I always want to say Refresh because that's the big joke around the office. What book are we in? Refresh? Replenish? What is it? Um, it's just, it's, it's living life with Jesus with a healthy soul, from a healthy soul. And this week's uh, chapter was on relationship with him. And it really ties in with, when we look at a list, we'll usually just work on this list by ourselves. And we'll, we'll, we'll struggle through it. We'll fight through it. Because if I can do this list, if I can be good, if I can have knowledge, if I can show self-control and persevere, and if I can have devotion, and if I can be genuinely kind for just a few minutes, and if I can love, then God will love me. I will find favor with him. But here is the, the catch for, and I, I would just say, and I'm not going to point or raise, ask you to raise your hand, but I believe that many of us as believers live this way. If I do this, then God will do this for me. Right? That's a transactional relationship. But God doesn't have a transactional relationship with us. His relationship is intrinsic. It's natural. We cannot earn. If you do this list, you will not earn more favor with God. If you don't do this list, it doesn't change how God thinks of you. That's pretty radical. I want you to think about that. So God, if I'm not good, that doesn't change how you think of me? God, if I'm not spending time with you, it doesn't change how you think of me? If I'm not showing self-control, or I don't even know what self-control is, it doesn't change how you think of me? Well, if you take the Bible as a whole, and not just pluck one verse or two verses, it does not change the way God thinks of you. For God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you. It's a natural type of love. It's intrinsic. It's not transactional. It's transactional from the fact that God says, well, I'm going to do this because you can't do it. It's a natural type of love that he has for us. Doing this list will not gain any more favor. Well, now, will it help us horizontally? Sure. If you're good, if you're nice to me, yes, be nice to me. I'll try to be nice to you. It will help us because God's word is God's word and it's truth. But God loves us where we are because we are his. There's a, um, a few of us bounce. We send songs back and There's a lot of memes being sent back and forth. I'm kind of out of that loop, thankfully, uh, for the most part. Once in a while, I get caught up into the loop of memes. Um, you guys know what a meme is? Some of you are like, Nope. 
Well, you're better off just not knowing, okay? A meme is basically a picture with a funny caption. So you just take a random picture and then you put a caption on it. That's a meme. They're actually pretty funny. You can spend a lot of time just scrolling through memes, okay? You can also get in trouble scrolling through memes, so just be careful. Um, but some of us send songs back and forth to one another just as an encouragement. Like I, I always, if you come into my office, I always have worship music playing in the background. It's because I need it for my soul. It's just what I need. I just need that reminder that I'm, I'm in this presence. So when I get up early, early, early and study in the morning, I have music playing as I study. Just re- reminding me of his presence in, in my life. And, I, and somebody sent me a song. Pastor Marcy sent a song um, to me this week, and it said, it's called, As You Found Me. Uh, now, I, like I said, I love worship. I love spending time in his presence. I love music. Now, I know some of you don't, and I know we all learn different ways. I learn personally by, like, hands-on. Will you just show me how to do it? Please don't give me a manual. Sorry, Eric Munch, who writes manuals, who's watching from home today. Um, please don't give me a manual to read it, to how to do it. Just show me how to do it, and I'll do it. That's how I am. And so when I hear a song, I could just read you the lyrics, and I will after we listen to the song. But sometimes just hearing it in the context of the song, it just it speaks to our hearts. So I'm just going to play a small snippet of it. So I want you to take a moment and listen to the song. It's by Hillsong United. This is an acoustic version of it. It's called, As You Found Me. I've been strong and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful and I've been reckless at every Build everything together and watch the shadow. I've stood tall and I have crumbled in the same breath. I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender. She's my heart adrift and drifted home again. Under blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption But every time I turn around, you're still six minutes of that, by the way, if you want to listen to it. I have been strong, and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful, and I've been reckless at every bend. I've held everything together and watched it shatter. I've stood tall, and I've crumbled in the same breath. I've wrestled, and I've trembled 
toward surrender. Chased my heart adrift and drifted home again. Plundered blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. And every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there. I was found before I was lost. (laughs) I was yours before I was not. Grace to spare for all my mistakes. That part just wrecks me. I love that. I love the line, I was found before I was lost. That, That really speaks to my heart because I know what it was like to be lost. I was lost. And I longed to be found, and I, but I didn't know who was supposed to find me. I didn't know I was his. And Peter is telling us in this, in this passage that the most precious thing that we have, that we hold in our hands, is, is our faith in Jesus. It's him. It's his presence in our lives. It's him that works with us. It's, it's this intrinsic relationship with him that flows naturally. Now, yes, I know these lists are here for us. It's for our benefit. And we talk about, well, what about obedience? Aren't we supposed to obey? Yes, we're supposed to obey. Jesus said, if you love me, if you're going to be in relationship with me, then you will what? You will obey me, Jesus said. But again, it's not out of a transactional relationship. It's out of a fellowship relationship with him. It's this, you know what? Jesus, I love you so much. I want to do it. I want to do whatever you want me to do. That's the type of relationships we should be in, well, with him, obviously. But even in our relationships this way, I love them so much, I'm just, I'll just do whatever you want to do. You want Wendy's Frosty or do you want Dairy Queen? Right? How about both? Let's go to both. It's this relationship like, yes, God, I want to do this. I want goodness in my life. I want knowledge. I want self-control. I want to persevere. I want perseverance. I want godliness. I want, this genu- I want genuine kindness. And I want love. But it's not because if I do those things, I'm going to earn I used to call them spiritual brownie points. I'm going to earn more favor with him. It's, it's, I do these things, and I want these things because, well, first of all, he wants those things for me. Because as he's making us more like Jesus, he knows this is what's best for us. It's best for us to be good with one another. It's best for us to know who he is and to know him. It's best for us to actually have self-control. It's best for us to endure and to hang on. It's best for us to have devotion towards God. It's best for us to be genuine and to be kind and to love. Peter says that if we want to be effective and productive this side of heaven as we live life, then we need to have these things in our life. And if we don't have these things in our life, we're nearsighted and we're blind to the goodness of God, to what, the, to what Jesus has done for us. And so my prayer for us as we prepare for lunch here in just a few moments is that we look at this list and we actually want to gravitate towards it because it's what we want. 
This is because it's what he wants for us. Amen? Amen. Again, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. That's another great list, but if you try to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, you know, faithfulness, if you just try to do those on your own, yeah, pressure's on. Good luck with that because it won't last long. In fact, most people look at that list as the fruit of the Spirit, like, yeah, I've got that one, I've got that one, but it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit. It's one big, amazing-looking fruit with all those flavors. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not the pressure of that, exactly what you said. It's the fruit of that. That's Annie's idea with the whole tree thing. It's awesome. And to be rooted. And we're going to get into, as we jump into even more into Second Peter, uh, Peter covers some really tough stuff. That's why we have this picture of being rooted in Christ. Because if we're not rooted in him, we will be swayed by all the things that come our way. So we need to have strong, strong, strong foundations in him. And we'll get into that another time. But can you stand with me? My prayer is that you possess faith that you know that God loves you, that, that he sent Jesus for you, and that he desires a relationship with you. Jesus is very inclusive. He wants all of us to know him and to be in a relationship with him. So God, we're thankful for this morning. Hmm. God, thank you that you see us and that you found us. Thank you that you love us. Even when we're doing what we're supposed to do or even when we're not doing what we're supposed to do. You know, church, the picture of Jesus looking over Jerusalem that comes to mind just now. Because God's people in that moment weren't living for God. In fact, they were gearing up to crucify the Son of God. And yet Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and, and he prayed, God, open their eyes. When Jesus looked at crowds, he didn't bring judgment, but he had compassion because they were helpless and harassed the Bible says so Jesus had compassion so Lord I thank you that that is your heart for us that you have compassion for us whether we're making great decisions or we're making horrible decisions God your love for us does not change I know circumstances are part of the decisions that we make, but so God, I pray that you will be with us in the midst of our circumstances. God, I thank you that you love us and that you care for us. God, you've called us and that we're yours. I thank you that when you look at us, that we find favor with you. So Jesus, we hold on to our faith in you. We hold on to you, Jesus. Lord, we lift up today to you, Lord. We're thankful for lunch. Thank you for that. We have 
We know where our food is coming from next. It's coming right in the next room. But there's many that don't. We ask that you would be with them, that you'd provide every need. It's like your word says, that you give us everything we need to live this life for you and for your kingdom. Lord, we lift up, just thinking of the Teen Challenge guys right now, we lift up the house to you. God, that they wouldn't do lists just to do lists, but they would walk in relationship with you. It'd be natural, a natural relationship with you, Father. Thank you for, again, for lunch and for a time that we can gather as your church. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hey, we are going to have lunch together. A few weeks ago when we did this, it was great. It was sunny outside. We set up outside. Don't think we want to eat outside. So we have round tables. If some of you will help, we have round tables right outside this door. thought we could just stack the chairs on the side and just throw some tables on the side and put some chairs around them, and then we'll, we'll eat. Sound good? All right.